Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at all the action from the final round of the regular season in the URC and the hectic weekend in the Premiership. And of course, we'll be looking ahead to the Champions Cup final in Marseille. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Jim, you're back from the dead, mate. He's alive. I'm alive. Were you worried or not? Because I did give Andrew my last wishes. You did. I don't want him to repeat them. <laughs> don't repeat them. But I did say, if I didn't make it through, then these were my last words to the masses. So you're not going to get them because I'm obviously here to give you other things, just not my last words. So <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. A bit hoarse. I wanted to sound like Bradley Cooper from A Star Is Born. That was what I said to the surgeon. Big shout out to the NHS. And they... Couldn't promise. They said they'll try. So I sound a little bit hoarse, but Beck's loving it is what I'm saying. She would have been <laughs> desperate for me to sound like Bradley Cooper from A Star Is Born, but now I'm all right. Made it through. Made it through. Hell of a night, though. Hell of a night in the NHS, my old small beds. And I had Doris in the bed next to me, and I didn't get out of bed until the next day. So I had to wee in these carton containers. They had to get these extra big ones for me because um, <laughs> cause I got a big bladder. <laughs> Doris. I'm sending the videos to the lads. Doris is coughing like an absolute trooper at two, three in the morning. She's up and out of bed downstairs smoking. And I'm thinking, she is hard as nails. I can't get out of bed. And I said to Beck, this woman next to me has had the same op as me. She had a thyroid removed. And she is that keen to get a cigarette like Goody on a night out that she is outside at three in the morning and I can't even get out of bed. And Beck just said, that's women for you. Not the fact that they smoke, but the fact that they're just hard as nails. <laughs> they just get on with it. Oh, God. It was an experience. I was hallucinating. What did you say? What did I say? I had this initial part where I was about to go under that I was swimming with wild turkeys. <laughs> swimming with wild turkeys? Well, I was in a, in a pool of water, so I, I could have been swimming. But if it weren't that deep, then I wouldn't have been swimming. I would have just been wading, wouldn't I? But I was thinking before, because I was looking at some stuff on Matthew McConaughey, who's creative director for wild turkey and i'm thinking well the way the mind works is Mm. that these kind of subconscious conscious beings or thoughts are in your brain so i've gone under thinking that i am basically swimming and wading with wild turkeys how good's the countdown though when they put it in you and they go not in you but obviously they give the injection i mean you might have had something put in you as well jim i'll ask you about that in a second because you said you woke up a bit sore but how good is the countdown when he says i'll count to 10 yeah, they changed it this time. So they gave me like a pre-opiate 
And I said, can I get that as early as possible? And then I had that and I was literally, <laughs> I was about to get into the water with the wild turkeys at that moment. So it was a great experience that took me onto, a, well, it wasn't another planet because we obviously have wild turkeys on earth, don't we? But it was taking me into the water in the lagoon and it felt good. <laughs> it felt bloody good. And then I don't remember him saying like, once you're in the water, just count to three because you go in under. So big shout out anyway to the NHS because... And they get a bit of shit, don't they? It's taken a couple of years for me to get it sorted. But when it matters, when it really matters, they deliver the cheese sandwiches. When they <laughs> need to come, they bring that with a cold cup of tea. I was going to say, that cheese sandwich that you posted on social media, was it seven, eight days old? It looked stale as folk. I'll put it this way, it weren't soft. I don't want to say how many days <laughs> old it was. It weren't soft, but it did the job. So what now? Is it, what have they fixed? Like, what changes does it mean for you? Gave them another three inches. Another? Where? <laughs> to, to go to six. 16. 16. <laughs> no, just six. Just six. Oh, I don't know. I, I reckon this could be a game changer. Without giving my health across the airways to the millions of listeners, I don't know whether it's a rugby injury and it stemmed through that in terms of me basically being a 10 out of 10 every week when I should have been a three and overexerting myself or it's a hereditary thing because my mum and my nan both had these kind of thyroid issues, which are generally women-related. We spoke about it a few years ago, didn't we? Do you remember when we did a podcast, I was telling people about it. But if I've done what I've done in the last five years and I weren't feeling great, can you imagine what the next five years are going to look like? My goodness me. I was going to say, Jim, surely it started with the monster night out after your two minutes in the Champions Cup final. You talk about a 10 out of 10 every week. For a couple of minutes here and there, you do. But then it was that horrific night out or amazing night out that ruined you. Well, that was the, the straw that broke the wild turkey's back, effectively. That <laughs> was the tipping point. That was like your body saying, please stop, like, please, I'm begging. And I did. So that was five years ago, almost to the day of me going under and walking into that lagoon under general anaesthetic. That was almost five years to the day, four years and 361 days. That was how long ago it happened, just for reference. So I don't know what the next five years is going to look like, but... I'm going to feel good doing it, no matter what. And Andrew, you know what my last words would have been, and they were bloody powerful, <laughs> is all I'm saying. But keep them to yourself. Go on, Goody. Well, now he's alive, I have to. There's one that I really want to say, but I can't. I just can't say it. That's between very good friends. No, you can't, because it was genuine. It was honestly, if I'm going down with these turkeys and they're pulling me under, this is what I want you to say. So we'll hold it, because who knows what's going to happen in the future, Andrew. But we'll just leave it there for the listeners. But thank you to the three people that reached out to me on social media and wished me well. <laughs> Good. Yeah. What was your weekend and compared to that? Well, a lot of interaction with Jim lying in this hospital bed. My favourite picture was just seeing the size of the bed with his legs hanging over the edge and all you could see is the mauler's toe. Uh, that was one picture. The coffin incidents, I got a lot of those. Friday, I was up at Wasps. The Andy Good suite was absolutely rammed, but the stadium and the rugby was absolutely shite. We'll get onto that in a bit. And then on, yeah, Sunday, I've got to say, the missus and the kids, fair play to them. They did a 5K run for a charity. There's a load of fundraising going on near us for bone cancer and stuff like that. So it was about 28 degrees, or it was ridiculously hot anyway. The missus and the kids did a 5K run together. Kids were in and out of the bush chair while they were doing it. And I just sat there with a pint and an ice cream. So um, probably need to have a word myself as well, actually. Jim's had this thyroid operation that he thinks is going to make all the difference. If there was an operation that could make a similar difference for you, what do you think that might be? <laughs> the ankle, actually, has helped. But I tell you, Jim's thyroid, so yours was overactive, wasn't it, Jim? Yeah, 
Graves' disease. Yeah, you had Graves' disease, which meant you haven't had an overactive thyroid. Mine is significantly the opposite to that. Mine is very underactive, which <laughs> maybe I need mine out because it's so underactive that it uh, it helps me gain weight. But yeah, well, I don't know. What would I need? You need the teeth doing. You're, I mean, I can smell the breath through there. I mean... Look how white they are, Jim. Oh, you're right. Look how white they are. Yeah, they're white. Yeah, but uh, but I don't think having white teeth is... Uh, I think you can still have halitoshits or whatever they call it. <laughs> halitoshits. If you could have one up, what would you have? Because I've got two more that needs doing. I don't want to give everyone my medical history. I'll give you one. My ear needs doing. I've got a hole in my eardrum as well from balling and scrumming to the cow sheds and back. So after nearly swimming with wild turkeys, I'm going to delay getting that done for now. I've sent you the pictures, haven't I? The big hole, it's absolutely hanging. And I need something involving skin as well, which I don't want to go into. So there's two <laughs> ops that I need. Andrew, come on, if there's something. Probably lipo. I'd love a bit of lipo. Just take away. Can they get rid of 10 kilos pretty comfortably? I reckon they could. Do you, would you have lipo? Would you go down the Botox route or not? Because, I mean, you've done the hair and that's absolutely fine because we can't say bold anymore because it's like you abusing someone. Looks good, doesn't it? It, it looks amazing. It looks really real and really good. So would you get the teeth done or not? Would you get the teeth? Would you get Botox? You've had the boobs done. Would you get anything else? <laughs> I've had Botox in my knee. Uh, that was to get me out of retirement to play for Newcastle. Really? Yeah. What does it do? There's a sheath that runs down the side of your leg on the outside, and that was causing me a load of pain. So they put the Botox in to kind of freeze it. Uh, it worked a treat. Basically got me wow. the Daily Mail, got me a hell of a contract from Newcastle. And helped Newcastle stave off relegation, which um, you're welcome. London Irish went down. Yeah, that helped. What else? What would I go for? I've got a mate that had full body lipo. A bloke. Name him. I can't name him. Adrian. I can't name him. I can't name him. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you his surname, though. <laughs> I don't know whether many people know about it, but he had full body lipo and he's pretty vain. No, he's not. Yes. Midlife crisis, I think I call him most weeks when I speak to him. I'll tell you, he won't be needing any lipo. The boys working out in Richmond this week ahead of the Barbars game next month and the uh, Aussie tour. The boys are training with the England squad. What do you make of Eddie's squad that he's picked, Goody? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit mixed, really. You, you've got some old stages coming back in. Mako Vanapola, Owen Farrell's back in after being injured and he's back in some sparkling form as well after listening to the podcast last week. You're welcome, Saracens fans. It's always hard, isn't it? There's three rounds of Premiership Rugby to go. So there's obviously the last round, then there's the semi-finals and finals, and the squad that he's picked, and you, you don't want to overanalyze things and look at it in minute detail. It's a training squad where they're going to get absolutely flogged because there's no game this weekend. You know how intense... I've been at an Eddie Jones training session a few years back. It was ridiculous in terms of intensity. So you know they're going to work hard. You know, you can always make an argument for some players that aren't in it. The big one for me, we talk about him pretty regularly on here as being in ridiculous form, Danny Care. Again, he's picked Van Portfleet, which is great for the future. A youngster coming through who's second choice at Leicester. He's picked Harry Randall uh, and Mitchell. And the one thing I will say is this squad that he's named will not mirror the squad that goes to Australia for the three-test tour. There'll be loads of players that come and go in between now and then, obviously, all the Saracens boys and the Leicester boys and potentially the Harlequins boys. Whoever wins those semi-finals, Northampton, they're the four clubs that are more than likely going to be in the semi-finals and finals. Gloucester obviously got an outside chance, but he didn't pick any Gloucester players, did he? Although I think Jack Singleton's been called up since. So take it with a pinch of salt the minute. You know, he's going to flog the guys for three or four days. You're better off being Joe Launchbury, right? And saying, Eddie, I've got a few knocks and niggles. I'm having a week off. And it takes some cojones to do that as well, doesn't it, Jim, I suppose? Yeah, but I suppose he's at the age and probably got the respect of Eddie 
where he can say that. He doesn't seem like a lad who Eddie would ride if you can ride players. I don't know whether that's even a saying now, but yeah, he seems like he's got the respect. But yeah, I can't work it out. We can sit here, can't we, and look through the England squad. And like Goody said, it will probably change next week. Players will come back in from nowhere. Obviously, Maka Vunapola is back in from nowhere. He said he's keen to fight for his place for the World Cup, which is class for him. The other headline ones for me, uh, Joe Thokonasinga, Kokonasinga, he was always one a few years ago who I thought was going to be, and it's a big statement, the next Lomu. The way that he played, the way that he carried the ball, the size of him compared to everyone else. And he just didn't really come through, did he? For whatever reason, injury, being at Bath, maybe the limelight on him, he didn't deal with that well. So I'd be interested to see how he does. And then on form, George McGuigan at Newcastle, who's been carving up. So I don't know, who knows what they're going to do. It's going to be a class tour. I think Australia are a good team at the minute as well. But I don't think we can base anything on this. As we know, we've got the business end of the season, haven't we, with the Premiership. Jim, you mentioned the business end of the season. Well, at the start of the season, we laughed at you when you mentioned that Exeter would miss out on the playoffs. But now you're right. Yeah, and that's with a bad thyroid as well. So you think about... <laughs> if that was functioning, the delivery, I should have put a bet on it. I, if, if I wasn't so ill back then, I should have put a bet on all my predictions because they're coming right. Look, extra team, and Rob Baxter said it, not just me, and a number of people said it, and you can see it. For whatever reason, it just hasn't happened for them this season, has it? You know, it could be with players being injured, players in form, obviously. And I know I'm stating the obvious, but, you know, Hoggy going away with Scotland, then coming back. I mean, he's, I think he's been good, obviously, for Exeter when he's come back. But he was unbelievable when he first went. Johnny Gray's been injured for large parts of the season. Uh, Johnny Hill's been injured. He's leaving. Uh, Sam Simmons has been in and out through injury. Joe Simmons hasn't even played. So there's a slight different look to Exeter in terms of them being disjointed. And look, I might be talking complete crap here. You know, you might they might look at the minutes and be like, no, actually, Jim's talking bollocks. That that's just a kind of superficial perspective. But when I called it, it was more because I felt that Leicester were on the way up, which obviously, as we know, that they are. Quinns play a brand of rugby in which they can score a load of tries. Sale the physicality that they've got. I know that they've not made it into the top four, but they're teams now that physically can compete with Exeter and score tries. And the way that Exeter play rugby, in terms of close to the try line, everyone's convert. Look at Gloucester, the driving line out around that part of the place. So I just feel like teams have caught up and other teams have a bit of stardust on them where Exeter, I mentioned some of the players that have been injured. Jack Knoll's been injured for large parts of the season as well. Kamsiki. Yeah, exactly. Luke Kamsiki is one of the best hookers in the world. They've just lost a bit of stardust this season for whatever reason and they'll get it back. I mean, because you even look, if, if, if Europe was top six, which it used to be, they're seventh now. So they wouldn't even made Europe. So... It's been a bit of an awakener for them, but not a bad thing. Love Baxter and, you know, extra will come good, won't they? But I don't know what their recruitment's looking like, but they need to get their, their best players on the pitch. Well, they've lost a few as well, haven't they? Obviously, Skinner's gone and Johnny Hill's gone up to sale as well. So interesting times. But one thing I do need to pick up on, Jim, congratulations. You did say that Exeter and Bristol wouldn't make the top four. I said that Bristol wouldn't make the top four, but I thought Exeter would. Exeter have lost four of their last five games in the Prem. How bad's that when you think about it? for a top team, or that historically has been a top team. But you also said that Worcester would... Uh, win something. No, you didn't. He didn't say win something. You said, watch out for Worcester in the Prem. They might make <laughs> top six. 
That's what you said. I meant win the World Cup, which it look, looks like they won the other night. <laughs> the Prem Cup was the World Cup for them, yeah. You remember a few weeks back when we, we said, oh, who's going to make it? And both of us got uh, an opportunity to pick a team. I picked Exeter. I just thought somehow experience to pull through. Jim, you said Gloucester. Neither of us even mentioned Saints. Why didn't you? Because Sam Vesti, the bogey monster, picks his nose too much. Yeah, I, don't know. It, I don't know. Yeah, I don't mind the picking of those bit, but the eating bits kind of put me off putting them in the top four. <laughs> but they've made it. Well, I say they've made it. I'm pretty sure they are going to make it because they're playing Newcastle Falcons on the last game of the season and they're two points clear of Gloucester. But Dino Swansong, you know, the Newcastle lads have been trying really hard for him the last few games. So <laughs> you're thinking last game of the season, go on, do it for Dino. That, that's the call sign going out from Gloucester. Do it for Dino. Gouda, you were at Wasp. Sale needed to win to stay in the hunt. They did, but they are out of the race now anyway, aren't they? For anyone that watched it on Friday night, you probably wasted a Friday evening watching it on BT Sport. It was pretty horrendous in terms of skill level. Sale were just effective at what they do. 16 points to seven. When you're looking at that, Jimmy Gopeth missed a kick at the end to try and get a bonus point, which would have kept Wasps in the hunt. Wasps probably look like they're going to miss out on top eight now. I can't give it any more than a three out of ten. Abysmal. So, um, you know, Sale were... Good enough to do what they did. Wasps still hurting from the Leon game last week. I think a lot was taken out when they see and hear the injury to Elliot Stook. When you're on the field, I don't think people can quite understand that. When you see and hear what happened, you saw Dan Robson and a couple of the other lads shouting and screaming at the referee and the referee still gives a penalty for holding on. You're like, hold on a minute. For three seconds, they're screaming, blow up, blow up, blow up. He's hurt, he's hurt, he's hurt. So he's um, he's broken his leg. You could hear the snap apparently and you could hear the screams and all that stuff. So not nice. Fingers crossed for Elliot Stook that it's a clean break and he bounces back for next season because he's been, he's played in every premiership game this year. He's obviously going to miss the last game of the season. But um, when you talk about value for money and signings and look at Bath now after he left, he's a great player, Elliot Stook, and a great bloke around the squad as well. So our thoughts are with him and hope he recovers pretty quickly. The one positive is with Stookie, and I know Stookie really well, and you know what I'm going to say. This isn't me saying that he's bold because you can't say that, but... He could do with... Yeah, if he's having an extended timeout, which it looks like he is, and it doesn't look like he needs surgery. I'm not a doctor. That's just what I've read. That you are a doctor. it is a clean break. Well, basically, I am. Yeah, just call me a PhD. <laughs> Pesser Dave. And if he doesn't need surgery, right, then Stookie, it's just down the road. Head to Lewitt, mate. Any van man. What do they call him? City man. City van man or whatever. That's city van man will sort you out. Goody, what's happened to Wasps this season, mate? Yeah, God, what's happened? Well, they're either... I was chatting to a few lads at the game and they're either really... I said it for weeks on here. They're either really, really good or they're absolutely shocking. There's no in-between. There's no kind of middle-of-the-road nutting out a victory here or there. So it's, it's hard to put your finger on it, really, as to why they've been so inconsistent. But that's what they are as a squad. I'm sure Lee Blackett... We'll be trying to fix things. You know, if they've got one game left to try and beat Leicester away from home, which has anyone done that this year? Has anyone beaten Leicester at Mattioli Woods Welford Road? In fact, Jim, we'll be there in a couple of weeks. I'll be hosting at Leicester. There you go. There we go. Of course we are. Hey, Goody, tell me about Watson, right? So they lose Gopeth and he's yeah. 40 odd, so you can understand why they're letting him go. Melakai Fekatoa is leaving, who's been like he's been class for the mini. Like, let's be honest, in terms of you don't see many all blacks come over and consistently play well like he has done when he's fit. If Wasp listeners are listening to this and they're in the Andy Goode suite or whatever, you've just sold them the dream that you're going to be there next season. How are they buying a season ticket to get in there? Go on, what's happening? 
Well, I, I just run the corporate, so... They've got to come to the corporate, though, haven't they? Because they want to see the team win. Well, that's the marketing team at Wasps and, you know, the head of, head of recruitment and Lee Blackett. You've heard They've it here first. Decision. Marcus Smith has signed for Wasps. <laughs> You've heard it here first. Uh, no, there's a South African centre coming in who's a decent player, but... Yeah, you're losing, and I, I looked at it the other day, they announced a list of 11 players, I think it was, that are leaving on uh, just before the game on Friday, and some big names going. You know, obviously, Gopeth and Fekitoa are the, are the main two. Gaskell, who's been a stalwart at the club for quite some time. Rob Miller as well. And these are guys that have slipped down the pecking order, I think, in terms of you know, those last two. They've been great players for the club, but there's some good young players coming through, and they're going to put their... Yeah, you know, their hopes and, and everything into players like Sam Spink, who's come on leaps and bounds this year in the centres. And again, it's a it's a money issue. It's it's the salary cap and everything that goes with it. But they're in the market. They've signed two brilliant tighter props in John Ryan and Vincent Cock. So they've strengthened that area. But in doing that, you've got to lose out in other areas and you've got to rely on some of the younger guys that are coming through. So they'll bounce back. But again, this is where they've been. And you think back to Wasps, they had a couple of years when they had the likes of George Smith, they had Curtly Beale, they had Vili Lapu, LaRue, Danny Cipriani. Yeah, they had some big name players. They had Elliot Daly as well. The back line was ludicrous and they went on and had it not been for one player given a really dumb penalty away in the last play of the game that had won the Premiership final. Then off the back of that, there's no sustainability. When you sign that many world stars that they had, George Smith was another one. There's no sustainability built at a club, right? So they've then sort of cut the wage bill and cut their cloth accordingly around what the salary cap is over the last few years. And you generally end up finishing in around what you spend and how good your players are around that spend. Now, we've spoken on here, Gloucester have probably overachieved this year. You know, it looks like they're going to end up fifth. The top three, Leicester, Saracens and, and Quinns, you look at the squads on paper, head and shoulders above any other squad in the Premiership, really. And then there's a bun fight between the rest now. Northampton have got some stars. You know, their squad depth I don't think is great, especially up front. Wasps are inconsistent. Sale are probably the team this year that have underachieved in terms of squad quality to where they're going to finish. So they finished in the top four last year, didn't they, if you remember? And then this year, you know, that was Alex Anderson had taken over six months before the end of the season, something along those lines, January time or something, wasn't it, that Alex Anderson took over. And then they had a good run to the end of the season, end up losing to Exeter in the semi. And you expect them to kick on this year. They haven't kicked on. They've just kind of stagnated a bit, really. So, And they're going through a regeneration now. They're obviously losing Lou Diaga and Fafta Clerk and players like that. So it happens to all squads. But, you know, Wasps need to find consistency. Well, things were looking pretty good for Gloucester at halftime, but it was like Quinns went and got their thyroid done for the second half, wasn't it, Jim? Chance gone begging, Andy wrote. As simple as that. I don't think anyone outside of that Gloucester camp really believed that Gloucester could have beaten Quinns. And you watch that first half, you're thinking, my goodness me, they're going to do it. They looked very good the first half. Harlequins looked off. I don't know why. Emotionally, they looked off. Maybe they thought they could just rock up. Maybe they didn't give Gloucester the respect. Maybe the fact that they know that they can score a load of tries in the second half. But physically, they were off. I thought Gloucester were really good at the breakdown. Defensively, they looked very strong. I think their big players played well in that first half. I thought Adam Hastings played really well. Ben Morgan until he went off. Chris Harris until he went off. Freddie Clark, who I thought was exceptional. He needs a significant pay rise. We're going to make that happen. My God, what a finish. What a player. Hey, he needs to be in that three, 400 grand mark, in my opinion. So I think he's in the 30, 40 grand mark. So we need to add a couple of zeros on the end. Does your mate Ravo do the contracts? No, Alex Brown does. He's my mate as well. So Ravo effectively does. Yeah, Ravo makes brownies tea. So if the tea's decent and Alex Brown's happy... 
then he's more likely to be more generous. So effectively, Ravo does Ravo does recruitment basically. <laughs> there you go. Let's get Clarky uh, a massive pay rise. He's been phenomenal for him. He has, yeah, and Carreras has been class as well. So they, they've had a, a few really good signings. They've got the best out of Rapava Ruskin, who I think was a fantastic signing. Haven't really seen everything. I think he needs to be in the right headspace, but I think he's a quality player as well. Strength and depth they lack. And you look at the second half when they lose Chris Harris. I mean, he looked like he had a hit point. Dr. Jim, PhD, piss out Dave. He had a hit point where it looked like Ben Morgan goes off. There's a few kind of big errors in that game. Adam Hastings takes the ball into touch as the ball's in the air line out to Quinns and there was just a couple of big moments that went begging for Gloucester in that second half. I didn't score a point so it was just a snapshot really of where Harlequins can beat any team on their day is the fact that they can score a load of tries and, and like uh, Tabai Matson said after the game they are that team that can score and can win games regardless of how far they're down they'd rather be a team that win comfortably but they are a team that can do that but for Gloucester I'll be honest I was a little bit disappointed with their big players and maybe it's because they've not been in that situation before I thought Lewis Rees Summit could have done more under the high ball I know that there's all this talk defensively but I think his big evolution he still looks like he's 15 don't get me wrong he's a top class player Austin Healy's favorite player he's, he's, he's a wicked player but I just think you'd want to see more defensively from him. That, that's what I, I, I would like to see. Adam Hastings, I mentioned that kind of big error. And you don't want to call players out, but that's the difference between being in the top four and then also winning the knockout games when you get there. And again, we'll come on to the Saracens-Northampton game where Saracens were off in certain parts where to win it, you can't be to win, to win championships. So it's a great learning curve for Gloucester. I don't think they're going to make it into the top four. I do wonder whether the comments me and Goody have both made are true that they've overachieved this year. And if they have, can they be in a position like this next year? So can they right the wrongs of this season in terms of what were the second half of that game against Quinns to get them into the top four next season? I don't know. But there's large parts of that game where Gloucester are very good. They're very good up front, as we know. Freddie Clark, we mentioned. They're good over ball at the breakdown. But I just think they're big players. I thought Ruin Ackerman was poor. And he's been one of their best players all season. That's what it is when you get to the top end and they're playing the champions at Twickenham, a place in which a load of the Gloucester players haven't been. So, loved what Gloucester have done this season and I won't give them the full respect until they bring out the checkbook and give Freddie Clark the money that he deserves. First half, they played exceptionally well, didn't they? They fully dominated. Yeah, they're offloading game. The stats at half-time, you'd think that Gloucester were Harlequins and Harlequins were Gloucester, the way the stats were, and that's not being disrespectful. Gloucester were offloading ridiculously. Everything that you come to think of how Quinns play, ball out the tackle, keeping the ball alive, possession, territory, you know, ball in playtime, Gloucester, how, how much ball they had in playtime. They were phenomenal at half-time in that first half. The errors they made in the second half were self-inflicted and you can't gift a team like Quinns with the attacking intent that they've got you know, those free entries into your own half to launch plays from because they've got fitness, they've got belief. They've done it so many times, haven't they? It's not a one-off where Quinn's come back from 20 points down or whatever it is to win games. It's happened significantly regularly throughout the season as well as obviously the big ones last year. What I will say about Quinn's, Danny Kerr, ridiculously good again. You talk about Lewis Rees Summit. I mean, tell the ankles that when Danny stepped him inside, outside, inside again. How's Danny Kerr not in the England squad? Absolutely ridiculous. You know, you, yeah. you, you're talking about the best nine. I think you can say it close to being the best nine in the world, I'd say, at the minute. I don't know it's hard to say because internationally, we're not seeing him, but yeah. he plays at a level every week where he's standout, apart from yeah. Sim Bend. But he's, he's head and shoulders above any other scrum half in England. You know, you talk about Ben Youngs, you talk about uh, Harry Randall, you talk about Mitchell, Van Portfleet. They're, they're, they're the four that are in the mix at the minute. 
Danny Kerr for the last 18 months has been head and shoulders above them in premiership terms. So Eddie Jones has just got to wind his neck in and pick him. And then Joe Marchant has quietly gone about his business to now be looking at all the centres in England. He is the most complete England centre at the minute, the way he plays. Both sides of the ball defensively, he works ridiculously hard, puts in some unbelievable shots, reads as well. He's quality in that outside centre position, which is the hardest position to defend on the field. And then ball in hand, he's offloading the game, he's reading the game. He was ridiculously good. And this is the one where Eddie Jones, we give him a bit of shit, he gets a bit of shit off a lot of people. But on Joe Marchant, he's seen something early that I think a lot of people didn't. And I agree with you, Matt. I think he's been exceptional. I remember playing against him when I was at Sarri's. This young yeah. lad coming through and he was a 13 back then. And obviously he's played on the wing for England and stuff. So, yeah, I think whatever Nick Evans has done and the coaching team there have got the very best out of the players. Look at Hugh Jones. Again, we had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. He was exceptional again. Lewis Liner, who's gone from strength to strength. Caden Murley, I know you're a big fan of his mm. as well, Goody. I mean, he's a 10 out of 10 and he's a straight 10 yeah. out of 10. His legs are ridiculous. Yeah. So he is, you know, and again, I've joked about it. They are a very good team and they're sponsored by Adidas. They are in London. They are fucking living the dream. <laughs> well, Saracen secured their home semi-final and the two points that Saints picked up mean they now know they just need to beat Newcastle at home to make the playoffs and keep Gloucester at bay. What did you guys make of that match? What do you mean they just need to turn up and against Newcastle <laughs> and just put it on? <laughs> Imagine if they don't. That's my old club you're talking about. Ain't good enough, mate. Newcastle at the minute, for whatever reason. It's not. All I'm going to say is, Saracens fans, listen to this. You are bloody welcome. You are bloody welcome. Do you know why? Because we picked out Owen Farrell last week as someone that lost their head. It went onto social media. It went viral. And look at his performance. I know Owen Farrell saw it. I think he might have messaged me. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe it was in my junk folder or something. But he saw what we highlighted, the way he lost his shit against... Toulon and lost his head and with the referee and with his teammates and all this stuff. I'm going to ask you a question in a minute on this, Jim. But at the weekend, Owen Farrell, man of the match, he was phenomenal in everything he did. I will question one thing. There was a high hit on Alex Mitchell, which TMO Andy would have picked out, but they didn't look at it, which was a bit of head-on-head contact again. So I'll mention that. But that's we'll just leave that there because he was outstanding. The other one I'm going to pick out, though, this week, your mate, well, I'm trying to think of my mates left at Saris. I don't think after what's happened on there, there is many. Well, I think this guy would be your mate still because you talked him up as a potential British lion. Nick Tompkins loses his shit with everyone. He is the most angry little man you've ever seen. And what, like He was losing his shit with Alex Good. Hell of a player. Like I love him as a player, but he's got proper attitude on him, hasn't he? Go on. I know what's happened. Leadership from Owen Farrell of the highest level. He's like, I'm no longer going to be a C-bomb. I'm going to pass it on to you. So I need you this week to moan like buggery at the referee, <laughs> to shout at all the players. I ain't doing it because Goody called me out last week on the rugby pod. So Nick, this is your sole <laughs> focus this week is to shout at the ref. And everyone else. I don't know because it's weird with Nick because when he was a young lad and I've always respected him, I always said to you, do you remember I said this yeah. lad coming through? Is quality. I, th I thought he was going to be a British and Irish Lion. Did he rock up absolutely hungover to fuck on one game and then got man of the match? Against the Scarlets and got man of the match. He rocked up pest. We'll, we'll say that because he didn't know he was playing. He'd been out on the night before on a big one. And he carved up, mate, quality yeah. player. And I don't know whether it's it's a bit of a an act or whether it's part of this persona that he thinks he needs to be. Or, you know, a lot's happened in five years since I was there. So he's obviously matured. But there's no doubt, it's undeniable that he's a fantastic player. But... 
where Saracens are letting themselves down is with the with the. I, I don't like it. I don't like that chat with the referees. Uh, I never. I didn't as a player. You know, I was captain of Gloucester. I don't think I've ever said that. I've never heard that. I, no, I don't think I have. Yeah, but I, I don't think I have. But as vice captain of Scotland, and I had some ridiculous decisions go against me. I don't like players interaction like that. I find it even uncomfortable watching it as a as a fan, but as a pundit, and when. You hear the referees, Michael, the referees having to speak to Owen or the referees having to speak to Nick and we can all hear it, I'm cringing. So the big work on for them, because as we know, Goody, when you get to the big games and you get to games where referees don't want to interact with other players, you get some like Barnty in that one who, who you can have a chat with. You don't need to be the captain. He can kind of have a bit of interaction with Luke Pierce is the same, but you piss some referees off. They In the back of their mind, it'll be like, if you haven't rolled away from a tackle, he's going to ping you. As in, if he likes you, though, he might give you half a second longer to roll away. So that's where they need to be careful because there's a shift, I feel, with Saracens in a bad way around the referee that's getting picked up more. But in terms of their performance, and again, something I tweeted about, I said, I, I, I said it, I think, but they're unplayable when they get it right. And you look at that game against Northampton and the scoreline really, I know it's a high scoreline and we can maybe talk about the back end of the game, but they were so much better in that first half. They they could have went up twenty they could have went in twenty-five points up. The thing is with, with Saracens, what they did in that first half, they went in at half time ten nine down to Saints. Saints had literally emptied the tank in trying to stop Saracens' power game. And I remember there was a there was an interview on the side of the pitch on BT Sport where Matt Ferguson, who's the scrum coach for Saints. So funny. Poor Ali Eakin. Yeah, they were getting absolutely hosed at scrum time, right? And you could tell the dam was going to bust at any second. Anyone watching the game just knew that Saints had given everything and then Ali Eakin's interviewing him, asking him about the scrum and are you worried or is it, you know, what's going on there? He's like, no, not at all. Not even bothered, mate. Not even bothered whatsoever. We've There's been one penalty, we're not even bothered. I'm a bothered. I'm a bothered. I'm not bothered. No, definitely not bothered, which clearly meant you were. He was so angry about it, wasn't he? Ali Eakin was... You know, just trying to get a bit of interaction out of him. Nothing came back. And then basically Saracens half time, they listened to the podcast again, I think, and and turned it on in that second half. They were ridiculous. Like there's a, a few things, you know, that went for them one way or the other. Theo McFarland, how good is he? Like, what a signing. Where's he come from? He played in the MLR for a little bit and he was put to Nick Kennedy by whoever. Someone said, Oh, you need to watch this lad, he's a decent player. And then Nick Kennedy, who I find it weird him being at Saracens. It is, isn't it? It's a lovely guy. Great bloke. So I wonder if he wants me to honour that London Irish contract that he signed me on. <laughs> I'm happy to. I'm happy to. Now I'm a million dollars. But again, as we know, one of Saracens' points of difference has always been identifying players. Obviously, I chat to Kelly Brown quite a lot as well. So I, I said a few months ago when I saw this lad, and he's like, no, no. He said, the hand-eye coordination, and you've got to think that this is me and Kelly talking about hand-eye coordination. (laughs) Two of the worst. Both of us together. He called me Dildo 4, I called him Dildo 5. So he's telling me that it is on a scale like they've never seen in terms of what they can do. And you saw that, didn't you, when the ball bounced up, how quickly he took it and scored that that first drive is. But rugby's now a game where it was a game for all shapes and sizes before. Yes, that, that still stands. But rugby now is a game of athletes and you have to be unbelievably athletic and the rest will kind of follow, right? You can teach line-outs, you can teach scrums to a degree, but the big thing and the number one thing is power, speed, hand-eye and all these things that he's got. I look at him 
And I just, I just want to enjoy watching him. I think he's quality. Yeah. So he, he's, he's, he's a gem. He's, a, he's everything that Saracens want as a player. In the first half, he was quiet. He's still learning. But as you see, when the game comes to him, just, just opens up. So Saracens for me, that was a snapshot of where they're at this season. When they're on, they're, they are unplayable. And people on mm. social media, wow, Northampton came back. Well, they did, but Saracens made a load of changes. And I say that, I still wonder whether they're good enough to win the Prem because there there are too many inaccuracies and kind of ups and downs. You look at Gloucester, what, how they dominated them, and they were unplayable that day. Then Toulon, they were slightly off. And then against Northampton, they were on, but there was inaccuracies in their game. And then they obviously let a few tries in. But I don't think Northampton, and people will hate me for saying this, I can't see where Northampton can be any better than what they showed against Saracens physically. Uh, I thought they were banging like as, as much as they could. Courtney Laws, Aaron Hinckley, big shout out to him in the back row. He's come out of nowhere. Looks good. They were as physical as they could be. And that, for me, isn't the worry for Northampton. But I suppose when you look at the teams in around the top four, who can live with the Saracens? Well, we know Harlequins can score a shitload of tries. I don't even think Leicester, if, if Saracens play like that, because I think that Saracens play similarly to Leicester. Well, they do because of Borthers and Wigglesworth there. But... Yeah, again, it's easy to kind of jump on the Saracens bandwagon because, you know, my, my uncle Amy said I was a legend there and it's my club. But you can only say what you see and it's just physical domination. I thought you were a skipper at Gloucester. Yeah, I, I was I, I was a skipper at Gloucester. You just called Saracens your club. I thought you'd learnt your craft and... I've got three clubs. Three clubs, just the three, is it? Well, you got four, Jim, because the, the other one I'm going to ask you about now, it looks as if potentially... It could be a Saracens Harlequins final, and you turned to a Harlequins fan. It was such a privilege to commentate on them uh, on Blue Tea Sports. <laughs> you said, and I've, I've gone back. I've gone back over our podcasts. You started to talk about Harlequins in the we. You were saying we won. We have done it. Uh, was I? Yeah, you were. So it looks like the semi final could be Saracens against Quins, and you talk about them being unplayable. I completely agree. When they're on it physically with that dominance and the accuracy they've got, they are unplayable. But throwing the mix, a team like Quinns with all the attacking intent they've got and their ability to score from nothing. Like you said, Goody, they're the ones because you look at Northampton's tries and you look at Toulon when they beat them, they were just throwing these ridiculous offloads, like the bounce of the ball and stuff like that. And I think if you're a Leicester... Or if you're a Northampton, I know Northampton play wider, wider. They've got players and they scored some unbelievable tries as well. The only way you're going to beat Saracens is by a bit of joué or just, as in do what I would do, just literally lob it and hope. <laughs> <laughs> because I think a structured game, I think like a Leicester versus Saris, Leicester being 100% on, Saris being 100% on, I don't think Leicester are beating them. I don't think they've got the quality to do it. Really? Yeah, I, I, I say it. As much as I want them to, I just don't think, as in, we look at the two teams on paper as well, I just think Saracens are a little bit better. They're kicking games better. Physically, defensively, they're better. And then they've got guys like Alex Good as well. I know you look at him versus Freddie Stewart, they're very different players. But there's just something about Saracens with the way they play and that kind of killer instinct and that killer edge. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Nick. When you get to semi-final time, and I know there's another round to go and stranger things can happen. I know Villa were beating Man City yesterday and yeah, they end up losing 3-2. Newcastle might put their boots on the right way and might cause Northampton a bit of trouble. You just you just never know. But it looks as if Leicester are going to be at home to Northampton Saints. East Midlands derby in the semi-final. Can't wait for that. And then obviously the London semi-final at the other end. Saracens against Quinns. It's going to be two Belton semi-finals if it finishes that way. One other shout out 
Hell of a player. And he's an actual academy graduate through Saracens. Rotimi Shegan. My God, his stats at the weekend and how he's played all season, to be fair. And when you talk about this whole salary cap thing that people have mentioned before and the quality that they've had, he's quietly gone about his business on the wing. And this year has been a massive year for him in terms of breakthrough at the top level. He is phenomenal. Bouncing out of tackles left, right and centre. Really hard to defend against. And he's got, you know, a very similar stature to Christian Wade. And he used to break tackles for fun as well. So ridiculous talent. He's a real threat for him as well. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Should we take a look at the URC then? Yeah, Dragons nearly. They nearly won. <laughs> hey, they nearly won, but they had, to be fair to them, they've gone the whole season without winning at home. How bad's that? How bad? And they're trying to sell season tickets for next year already. My God. Let's talk about Ulster because they got a big home win over the Sharks to secure a home quarterfinal against Munster, didn't they? Yeah, massive win for Ulster. I know on paper it's only three points. Well, that would have been a draw, but they only won by three points, 24 points to 21. But... In terms of getting a home quarterfinal and the team that the Sharks had in terms of full noise, they were full noise. And I say full noise, they had basically they had Sia Khaleesi and Ma Pimpy. My voice, I can't do it. I can't do the high one. Ma Pimpy. Ma Pimpy. <laughs> and the Kanyam and a load of their top level players. So the Sharks were, were taking it seriously, which we all hoped uh, and they did, as were Ulster as well. And for me, also have been a standout team. They're the team that have beaten Leinster in the URC. It's all about being at home, as we know. So Credit to Ulster because it was a strong Sharks team. Sharks scored two tries in the last five minutes to make it look a lot closer than it actually was. Ulster, great performance. And to be fair to them, you look at it now, they've got Munster at home, which they'd expect to win in the quarterfinal. And then in the semi-final, they avoid Leinster as well. So in the semi-final, they're playing the winners of Edinburgh against the Stormers at home if they win. So Ulster now have got, an, you'd say, not a nice passage, but a better passage to... A cleaner whistle. Yeah, a cleaner whistle. A cleaner helmet to get through to the finals. Yeah, and Mike Lowry, hopefully he's all right. I saw on social media his cheek. Again, <laughs> Dr. Jim, PhD, Pesce Dave, it looks like a broken cheek, but hey, 
what do I know? So hopefully it's not, and hopefully I am a pisshead Dave, and I don't know what I'm talking about. So, uh, yeah, hotting up nicely, though. Do you think I'll still read much into Munster's performance over the weekend? Because they lost to effectively a second-string Leinster side, didn't they? Well, a second-string Leinster team is basically a first team for anyone else. Frightening. Now, it's going to come down to Leinster and someone else, isn't it? That's what it's going to come down to at the end. And can anyone beat Leinster at their very best on any given day? And we know Munster have got the ability to do that. We know that Ulster, because of the Irish influence, but I don't really know when I look at it like that. It's You look at Munster, they've got to be at 110%, I think, to beat Leinster. And it showed at the weekend when they're up against Leinster's second team that if they're not, then... For whatever reason, and again, Bernard Jackman put a few things out on social media, the way that Leinster take the ball to the line, it's just so hard to defend whatever player that they've got in their squad, whether it be second, third team or first team. So that is the worry for Munster and Ulster to a degree is that you know what's at the end. You know what's waiting for you and it's Leinster. And if they're fully loaded, the likelihood is you're going to lose, right? <laughs> so you want to try and get them on an off day. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting... I mean, for me, again, without pissing on the fire the final will look after itself there's obviously a big build-up now through the quarterfinals with the South African teams in the mix poor Edinburgh having to go down to South Africa as well what would you rather though be Edinburgh and go to Cape Town so at least you get a bit of sun get the fact 50 out get on the beach you've got probably more of a chance of winning than you have if you're Glasgow going to Leinster where you're getting no factor 50 you might get a bit of Ed Sheeran from somewhere if he's still out there hanging about singing songs on the streets maybe who knows but you ain't beating Leinster so you, you'd rather be Edinburgh can tell you now that Glasgow will be getting factor 50 points that's what they'll be getting <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know I think I'd rather be Edinburgh I like the South African teams being back in and uh, we kind of hoped didn't we that the Stormers or the Sharks would have a a knockout game at home. It just kind of adds to it. So yeah, Edinburgh go there. It's going to be tough for them. They beat the Sharks uh, when they went down there in that monsoon earlier in the season and they were comfortably better than Glasgow at the weekend. But again, when you look at the salary caps and you look at the teams in the URC, you look at the changes for Edinburgh more so than Glasgow, I think the Scottish teams have actually done all right. Well, we've mentioned Leinster a couple of times there, but it's the big game that everyone wants to talk about or wants to hear about. Versus La Rochelle on the Champions Cup final this weekend. Who's winning it, lads? Leinster, comfortably. <laughs> the end. I was going to build it up then because it's out in Marseille and I have got the privilege of being a European rugby ambassador for this weekend, James. I know, we were both bent to me. You're telling me like I don't know. I know, I know. I, well, I feel bad because basically European rugby, EPCR, wanted us to go out there and host a few Q&As and do what we do and have a bit of fun. Jim, obviously... Had booked himself in for an opera. Why didn't you change it, Jim? We could be in Marseille together this weekend. I didn't know what the rules were that you can't smoke after a week. So it's, <laughs> you know, if I would have known that, then it would have been all very different. But yeah, it's more, it's more, I, I'm keen to go. Let's put it out there now. I would get on a plane and I would go tomorrow. But Beck, like, I, I ain't looking after the kids at the minute. Like, I won't, I'm refusing to do anything. So I can't, on one side, say. What's different? Well, I know, but it's more like I'm not even getting up off the sofa. You know, before I, I stand up and shout, you know what I mean? I'd offer something. Yeah, so I'm down in Marseille for both finals. Looking forward to it, actually. I was having a bit of banter with Luke Pierce over uh, social media, private messaging, uh, over the weekend because I'm hosting a Q&A on the Saturday pre-match with him. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be Friday night out there. Sean O'Brien's out there. Big shout out to Sean O'Brien who retired at the weekend. 
is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of drink. Uh, a bit of French will come out, no doubt. And I said to the missus, it's work. I've got to go, it's work. And she's like, yeah, 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 can we come? I was like, no. You stay at home with the children. I shall be going to Marseille and having quite a lot of drink responsibly. Maybe Heineken, because it's the Heineken Champions Cup final. And uh, a lot of fun will be had watching Leinster win. What has changed since last year's semi-final when La Rochelle dominated Leinster physically? That, exactly what you've just said, Ben. They've realised that the physicality element to it, both from a, forget the URC, I feel bad keep saying that from a winning the champions cup and winning a six nations i know they didn't win a six nations but they were close to they nearly beat france in paris and doing something at the highest level collectively and i say that ireland collective leinster effectively the physicality element to it i think that that is a game changer what happened that game against la rochelle in the semi-final last year i think that's what's changed it i think that that's what's changed uh, leinster and irish rugby so they've realized that for all the reasons, Asper and Jackman, get in contact with him, he'll tell you how they've done it in terms of training drills and stuff like that. But I think that that's what we've seen. I think we've seen an, an element of physicality that is so consistent and ferocious and they're clear, clear outs. And it's a different physicality. When you watch La Rochelle and you watch Toulouse, it's one-off runners. It's big man trying to get over a smaller man. It's slower. It's more laboured. It's heavy. Whereas Leinster and Ireland, I'm going to keep putting them in the same mould, it's just this collective violence. And I think that that stemmed from that game where guys like James Ryan, I know we keep going back to him, we think that he lost his British and Irish Lions place because of that game against Big Willie, Little Willie Skelton, and he got physically dominated as they were going to South Africa with the Lions and it would have been a similar thing. I think that that is what has changed the course of Irish rugby. And I just think that they know exactly... What's coming? And I've not seen enough from La Rochelle. And I say that, that, that there's no doubt they're a fantastic team, right? Ronan O'Gara, a huge amount of respect for him. The players that we've gone through, Goody's favourite player, Bottier, Big Willie, Little Willie, Skelton's back fit. Bernard Jackman, we're calling you out, mate, because normally we believe... Yeah, he said it. If you tell us you've got long hair, Bernard Jackman, we bloody believe you, <laughs> right? And you told us Willie Skelton was out and apparently he's in. And that could be a game changer, but he ain't 100% fit, is he? Like, he's being rolled out if he's 80% fit. I don't, I don't reckon he'll start. He's been out for a long time. And this is like with O'Gara, there's, there's so many sort of different undercurrents to it. O'Gara, monster man through and through, coming up against Leinster. He would love nothing more than stopping it. You know, everyone's expecting a Leinster victory, I think. If there is a team that can stop this blue machine that is Leinster from functioning, it's the power and size of, of La Rochelle. If they can slow it down, and this is the thing. Bernard Jackman said it on here last week. Sometimes, and you said it, the violence that they go into a, a ruck with, sometimes it's bordering on illegal. And that's what effectively gets them quick ball. Now, I said it on air a couple of weeks ago about the refereeing. And I said, how didn't Wayne Barnes have a semi-final? Well, Wayne Barnes has got the final. So I'm sure Ron O'Gara, being the intelligent rugby brain that he is, will have a word in the show like of Wayne Barnes and say, listen, you've got to watch their clean outs. Because if they're not legal, that's how they get quick ball. That's how you know they get their momentum. And it's all about stopping Leinster's momentum. So you can stop that with a good kicking game. You can stop that with physical dominance at the gain line. And when you've got players like Aldrete, you've got players like Victor Vito, Weenie Antonio, who ain't so weenie, you've got Will Skelton, they can definitely do it. But in 30 degree heat in Marseille, when Leinster are going to play at the speed and pace that they want to play at, it's going to be a tough ask for La Rochelle. But it will all be about slowing the game down to their pace and their power and their size and capabilities of how they want to do it. Can they do it just themselves rugby-wise or can they do it by Wayne Barnes looking at how Leinster clear out and effectively trying to manage that area of the of the breakdown so that they are fully legal? 
yeah, that gives La Rochelle a bit of an opportunity. Looks like Tyg Furlong and James Lowe are good to go as well. They're going to play this weekend as well, back from injury. Yeah, of course they are. And I mentioned before, PhD came good. Kerbalo broke his hand, didn't he? Told you in the last game. Called it, saw it, and he's not going to be playing. I feel like I've kind of brushed over La Rochelle. Let's not forget they made the final last year. What Ronan O'Gara has done at that club. And again, La Rochelle, if you were to walk down the street of a load of rugby fans or whatever, a superficial rugby fan, Six Nations, whatever, and say, oh, La Rochelle, decent rugby team, they wouldn't have a clue. It would be Toulouse, it'd be your Leinsters, it'd be your Leicesters, Saracens, these kind of household names. No one's speaking about La Rochelle. So what Ronan O'Gara has done there with that squad, what he's built, there's a bit of a mix there as well, but a French heartbeat in that is phenomenal. So we, we can't write them off. I'm only, only going based on my comments that I made a few weeks ago that Leinster are comfortable winners from what I've seen. I just think that whatever has happened there, probably because of that game against La Rochelle has just started something really exciting in Irish rugby. Goody, Ehi West in his last game, shocker with the boot. Do you think they'll make any changes around that or can they make any changes around that? Well, they've got Jewel Police on who could play at 10. Uh, I think it's a massive shout just to change your 10 off the back of missing a few kicks in a semi-final when he's played 10 for you all year. Now, Ehi West is leaving La Rochelle at the end of the season. There is Pierre Popolan who could play there. Uh, and goal kick, but I just think he sticks with Ehi West. If you're losing Kerbalo, who's been your nine all year, and I think where they made a bit of a mistake, they had Arthur Rettier, who's a winger that can play a bit of scrum half. He came off the bench in the semi-final. If you go back to that semi-final, I remember Jim talked about it, Botti has come off the bench and lobbed the ball on the floor about three times, just trying to do ridiculous offloads. Well, Rettier came off the bench for Kerbalo when he broke his hand. Uh, who Rettier is normally a winger, played in the wing at the weekend in the top 14. He played at nine, and it was... <laughs> It was just French. It's like, no control. Let's just chuck it around and hope for the best. So if you do that against the Leinster team, you've got absolutely zero chance. Mm. So I think he'll stick with the high West. I've always thought he's an all right player and I'm happy to be proved wrong. But, you know, you're coming up against Sexton, who's, apart from him, Jim Hamilton's mind, one of the best in the world at what he does. <laughs> so Sexton is a guy that can control a game with his boot, control it with the pace that his team plays at. All the plays run around him. You know, the ball's out the back. He plays at the line. He, he's going to be put under pressure, Sexton. But I don't know. If you're O'Gara, you back your man to the hilt who you've backed all year. If you change it for a final, it's for a guy, Plisson, who hasn't played a massive amount this year and is flaky at best at times. Can be a wonderful player, but I don't know. I'm thinking you stick with the high West and hope for the best. Okay, give me your predictions, guys. By how much? Leinster by 12. Yeah, Leinster by... 14, I'm going to say. I, I want to see a really tight game. I'd love to see La Rochelle take it to the wire, but I just think this this Leinster Island team are, are so good. How they attack is absolutely mesmerising at times. So, um, yeah, I can't see anything but a Leinster victory. Right, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, plenty of good this week. We'll start off Andy Rowe, your favourite team, the Blues. Yeah. Oh No, not the Saders, the Blues. Bowden Barrett, clutch, drop goal. The clock was in the red and he gave the Blues the 21-19 victory over the Brumbies away from home. He did have a penalty advantage, mm. so it's much simpler when you've got that. But, you know, some of us have just knocked him over without any penalty advantage. Some of us have missed him without any penalty advantage. But that day, what a ledge. He drops the goal, Bowden Barrett. It was good to see him back as well because he's had concussion issues, hasn't he? And there was a worry that he was struggling to make it back. So good to see him back. Yeah, definitely. And then sticking in... 
the Southern Hemisphere and Super Rugby, the Waratahs. They beat your team, Andy Rowe, the Highlanders. <laughs> They're not my team. Mate, right, you're a Kiwi. They're all your teams. 32 points to 20. It was their first win in Dunedin for 14 years and their first back-to-back wins in New Zealand since 2009 as well. So massive shout-out to the Waratahs. They got mentioned in the bad quite a lot last year, so uh, shout-out to those boys. Leinster, of course they do. They get a mention the good again. It was their second, in some places, their third team at the weekend. And we spoke to uh, Bernard Jackman last week. He said a lot of these lads don't even make Tuesday afternoon training, yet they could rock up and dominate a Munster first team. They beat them 35 points to 25. Jordan Lama was back. He's had a tough time recently, as Jim said. He had eight carries, 102 metres gained, and he beat 13 defenders. So a hell of an effort from Jordan Lama. Good to see him back. He looks absolutely rapid. Might be a bit late to get into the team this week, but he might get on the bench, I suppose. Ulster, they're going to get a shout-out this week. They beat the Sharks to secure a home quarter-final against Munster. Brilliant performance by them at the Kingspan. Jim's team, they're going to get a mention. Hashtag always. Harlequins, yeah. 24-7 down at half-time and yet another epic comeback uh, to win 28 points to 24. Looked like a brilliant day out at Twickenham, so uh, well done to them. Another player from Jim's old team, Theo McFarland, is definitely getting a mention in the good this week. Ridiculously good performance from him and it capped it all off with his wonderful finish in the corner with the acrobatics. I think he knew he was always going to get there and he just did that for the crowd, didn't he, in the TV cameras. The one-handed dive over, hell of a finish, uh, made it look good, but tweaked his hammy. Yeah, well, he did that on purpose, didn't he? Because if he didn't score it, it's like, yeah, it was because Miami. So double whammy <laughs> smart. And also, he doesn't have to train too hard this week because they haven't got a game this weekend. So uh, maybe he's missing getting absolutely blitzed at fitness this week. So wise man, Theo McFarlane, well done. Sticking with Saracens, I mentioned him earlier, Rotimi Shegan, 11 carries, 154 metres made and four line breaks. So he looks a wonderful player at the minute. And Saracens get a mention for securing their home semi-final with the victory over Saints this week. So well done to those boys. Another mention in the good goes to a team that Jim Hamilton affected massively. That He went over there and did a documentary and ever since he did the documentary, they went downhill. They couldn't win many games. The mighty Benetton. They've appeared in the bat a few times. Rhino Smith especially. He had 10 carries, 101 metres gained, four line breaks, two tries and 29 points. And it was Benetton's biggest ever score in URC history uh, as they beat Cardiff 69 points to 21 and the fourth biggest ever by anyone. So a massive shout out to Benetton. They get a mention. They finished the season strongly. Another mention for the good this week, Jim. The mighty Ospreys. The mighty? Well, not so mighty. They lost to the Bulls, but they have qualified for the Heineken Champions Cup for next year by winning the Welsh Shield. And my goodness, didn't they celebrate that, Jim, in the URC? They must have been joking. I'm watching that and I'm thinking they are joking with the celebrations, but obviously not. So I think it's ridiculous myself, but congrats, I I should say. (laughs) They'll be in the Heineken Champions Cup next year. So well done to the Ospreys. They get mentioned the good. And so the good this week, Jim, goes to your old team, Saracens. Are you all right or not? You've totally <laughs> redeemed yourself again. You brought them down last week and now you're bringing them back up again. You, you're never invited back there. You know that, don't you? Regardless how many times you give them the good. Mate, I was the next player there. Surely you always get an invite back. Yeah, most, most. Nearly everyone, I'd say. <laughs> everyone but one. There we go. So Saracens get the good. The bad, a few bits of bad. We'll start off with Elliot Stooks. Injury, pretty nasty leg break. Hopefully, it will recover pretty quickly. 
Sticking with injuries, Nick Dolly picked up a pretty horrific knee injury at the weekend, so um, probably blame that on the 4G pitch, Jim. Could well do. Happy to put our names to that. Not good news there. Cardiff, we just mentioned the fact that they got absolutely hosed by Benetton in the good. Uh, they're going to get the mention the bad. It's the most points they've ever conceded in the URC as they lost 69 points to 21 to Benetton. Absolutely horrific shown by them. Sticking with Welsh rugby, the Dragons, they've got to be in there again, Jim. They lost at home this time. They lost to the Lions. It was close, though. Well, they kept it under 50. They kept it under 30, actually. Fair play to them. So the defence must have improved. But to be fair to the Dragons, they've had a really good season at home. They haven't won a game all year. So that's why they get a mention in the bad this week. The Dragons. Imagine playing at home. Imagine being a Dragons fan right now. You've gone and watched them every game this year at home with your season ticket. And they haven't won once. But you've seen a shitload of tries. So. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Bit of upside there. So they get a mention in the bad this week. But the bad... This week goes to Exeter Chief Chief Chiefs. Not so Chief Chief Chiefs anymore, boys. Not just because of their 40 points to 33 defeat at Bristol at the weekend, but they've lost four of their last five Premiership games to throw away any chance of making the playoffs. They haven't made the top four for the first time in quite some time. It's probably about seven or eight years now, isn't it, that they haven't made the top four. So uh, the Oracle, Jim Hamilton. You put the kibosh on Exeter Chiefs early in the season, Jim, by predicting they wouldn't make the top four. Your prediction has come true. So Exeter... They get the bad this week for not making the top four for the first time in, let's call it seven years. The ugly, few bits of ugly, Sam Gilbert's red card for the Highlanders against the Waratahs lifted Michael Hooper above the horizontal and put him down on his neck. No, 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 no. You can't do that. It's a pretty clear and obvious red card there, especially to Michael Hooper. What a legend he is. But the ugly this week goes to England rugby and Argentina rugby. Anyone that saw it, I'm sure most people have. I'm sure Andy Rowe, you tried to jump on the bandwagon. Most viewed video Andy Rowe's ever posted, ever. Let me post the video of this and say this is a disgrace. Anyway, England against Argentina in the sevens over in France in Toulouse. They both knew what they needed to do to qualify for the quarterfinals. England make the break, score the try. It took two minutes to put the ball down for the try because Argentina didn't want to go and tackle him or force him to put the ball down. The England player didn't want to rush it too much because they both knew if that try was scored and the game finished they would both qualify for the quarterfinals and Canada wouldn't make it justice was served though because both teams got knocked out in the quarterfinals so I've seen Nigel Owens has had a bit of a pop on social media as well the referee should have made Will Homer put the ball down for the try Um, it wasn't good for the game why? well it's just rugby values isn't it? hey TMO it's not the law though mate or the rules however you look at it Uh, I know rules is rules and laws is laws but you can't be doing that two minutes just stood there Referee should have said, put it down or on penalised near. Then he'd have panicked and put it down. But that gets the ugly this week. Not a good luck for Rugby Union. The fans were booing. England fans in the stadium were booing as well. So good to know. If you want to see that video, just search for Andy Rowe on Twitter. The video's there. It's gone viral, as Jim would say. And you've got six followers. I did. I got six new followers. You guys have got a couple of shout outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, we've got a few, as we always do, towards the end of the season. This one's to market Harborough Rugby Club and their second team who won the Cup and the league this year, going undefeated in both. And also one to the Northampton Shear Police Men's Rugby Team who won the Police Sport UK Plate Final last week against West Yorkshire after extra time. And they did it in memory of their colleague PC Alex Prentice, who sadly passed away. So a big shout out to all you guys. Well done. Yeah, and I've got a shout-out to another police team as well. A massive shout-out to South Wales Police Rugby, who defeated the Met Police in the British Cup final at Stourbridge on Wednesday and are now the British champions. So, well done, lads. 
Great to see some Welsh teams winning, eh? <laughs> oh, being horrible. But I've got another shout out to a Welsh team, the Wales Civil Service Rugby team, uh, who are playing against England Civil Service Rugby for the first time in 100 years this week on Wednesday, the 25th of May. So a day after the podcast is released. The kickoff is 6pm at Cardiff Arms Park and tickets are £5. With all the proceeds going to the Wooden Spoon charity, Andrew, which we know is a very good charity that does great things across the board. So get along to that if you can and watch a Welsh team win. Do you think they're going to win? I'm back in the England Civil Service rugby team to beat the Welsh, but there we go. Get on down to that, everyone, if you can. And a massive shout out to Connor Booth, who is a combat medic in the army and is currently deployed in Poland as part of the UK response to the war in Ukraine. Connor and the rest of his medical team are running, walking, cycling and swimming 108 miles in June while wearing their 23 kg body armour. So uh, a massive shout out to those boys. That's a hell of an effort. And it's all to raise money for the British Red Cross and their efforts in Ukraine. So, um, mate, good luck, guys. That's a massive effort and a hell of a thing to fight for. It is, Connor. And watch out for the wild turkeys. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm putting them together, wild turkeys and water. But anyway, lastly, we've got a shout out to Dom and the lads from Blackheath, first 15, who are doing the Three Peak Challenge on the 10th of June in support of mental health charity Mind Charity. So, big shout out to you lads as well from Blackheath. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spot. Spotify, pod, 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 pod. pod.